The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Dibiani. I'm a critic for the rap, and everybody calls me the Bibs. They call you the Bibs. It's reference you, to you the show we're talking about today. Now. There's there's okay. a there's a cultural reference that I, I read see. about in Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> well, then you're educated, aren't you? Yes. My name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a film critic. I write for Slash Film and. Uh, uh, we're gonna look. We have admitted on this program before yes. that we have a particular weakness for hour-long 1990s genre television, yes, live-action genre television. Yes, we do. Especially as it comes to sci-fi. Uh-huh. Uh Star Trek was right in the middle of that. You mm-hmm. know, sort of the heyday of Star Trek. But uh, we've covered plenty of shows. Uh, you know, The Flash and Earth Two, and even the RoboCop series. Mm-hmm. Like these, all come from a very similar line of thinking, and many of them quite good. Oh yeah, yeah, many of them quite good. Um, there was some crap. <laughs> there, there, there was. It's, it's not. It's not all good. No. Sometimes the '90s were bad. <laughs> And we're cycling around, I think, to the 90s. We had a lot of 80s nostalgia for a really long time, but I've noticed some 90s fashion coming back. Mm. I think the 90s might be due for a bit of a resurgence culturally, pop culturally, if you will. And I think it's important to remember right now, a lot of the 90s sucked. I remember UPN. (laughs) UPN. The uh, vast majority of UPN was as bad as the 90s got entertainment-wise. Just so we're clear, a lot of other horrible yeah. things happen in the '90s. But entertainment-wise, uh, yeah, uh, UPN is one of the nadirs. Yeah, uh, U- UPN is known for premiering Star Trek Voyager, and yep. I think they picked up some of the Joss Whedon shows when they were popular. Uh, they picked uh, up uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer after C- uh, after uh, WB canceled it after only five seasons. So, like the last two seasons aired on UPN. Yeah, and uh, the UPN uh, lasted about what was it? Eight years? It was about a decade. Under a uh, decade, yeah. They lost nearly a billion dollars. Which seemed like a lot at the time. Most, yeah. Well, it was at the time. uh, But yeah, a lot of... Nowadays, a a streaming service can lose that in a year. (laughs) Quibi lost it in seven months. I lost two billion in seven months. Peacock isn't doing that great either. Uh, what did they say? They announced that like Peacock somehow managed to not add any new subscribers for like three months. Something like that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Holy shit. Uh, And, and, you know... if you know when we're recording this, you know the big debacle that's going on with HBO. So Paramount is like clinging on, like they're the UPN. Yeah, they, they it failed through Paramount back in the '90s, but they're the ones who are sort of like clinging on to their little nest eggs right yeah. now. They have like seven and, Star Trek shows, and that's working and a, great. And a bunch of SpongeBob, and, and they just got Beavis and Butthead like, back. No, don't so. they have that Kevin Costner like franchise that like kind of westerny kind of deal? Isn't that them too? That westerny kind of deal. don't they have that kind of westerny deal from the guy who did uh, Hell or right. High Water? 
Oh, I don't know what that is. Uh, hold on. Hell or like, high water. Is, is there I'm like Googling a, hell or high water guy. Is there like a Wyatt Earp expanded universe? I don't know Taylor about. Sh- no, Taylor Sheridan has a series of shows that are actually like super. Uh, no. Yellowstone, which is on the oh, Paramount Network. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yellowstone. Yellowstone has a whole franchise and it's super duper popular. Right. It's one of those shows. I didn't know that, Kevin like, Costner was on that. It's one of those shows that is super duper popular and nobody talks about it because it doesn't hit any like big genre elements. It's not well, Lord of the Rings and that here, superhero stuff. It's like yeah, it's like it's, Chicago Hope, hmm. which was this gigantic show in the 1990s and it was never part of the conversation, but it always got big ratings. Yeah. Just uh, Oh yeah, Chicago Hope. Yeah. That also does well. Uh, the 19, although it premiered in the 80s, the 90s wa- was dominated by Law and Order. Cop yeah. shows were really big. Cop shows, lawyer shows, and medical shows are typically good business across history. Yeah. But they all had gigantic examples in, in the, the 1990s. Mm. And then there was sort of like the really exploitative Baywatch side of things. Yeah, which, that's, where, which that's were, where we're at right now. Yeah, which, which was, yeah, where, which was, a, I guess, technically a crime show. No, sometimes there, there were some criminals. The most beautiful thing about Baywatch is that much like, and I've I've argued that one of the great things about Star Trek, for example, is that it can be any kind of show it wants to be. Mm. If it wants to be a horror show, one episode, and a comedy show, the next episode, it can be a time travel episode, the next episode, it can be a rom com, the next episode. the The premise is very fluid. Mm. Baywatch was a very fluid premise, and they could have. Uh, oh no, a shark is killing everyone in the water and it's super duper scary. Mm. And then the next episode, uh, oh no, David Hasselhoff uh, has to win a kickboxing tournament. And then the next episode, oh no, ghosts are attacking. And then in the next episode, oh no. And then there was a whole episode in which someone was selling like really gross sandwiches. Like that was an episode. (laughs) Like... Baywatch was incredible. You can tell any story you wanted on Baywatch. It's just, really just get, bizarre. Get really attractive people in little tiny red outfits. They did a whole episode where, they, where the cast you. actually went to Gilligan's Island, and the cast of Gilligan's Island was still there. Oh, that's so sad. Yes, it is. Not not just that they never escaped, but also that they had to go there in terms of. If memory uh, serves, it turned out to be a dream, but they did do the whole episode. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess Baywatch still. I my argument is that Baywatch counts as a cop show yeah. because lifeguards are public mm-hmm. enforcement agents. Yeah, they they're responsible for keeping the people safe and preventing yeah. people from committing crimes and, on and the they beach. Work, and, and they work for the state, so yeah. that's and then on that's, top that's of my all, argument that and it's then on a top show. of it all, Mitch uh, on in his free time for two seasons uh, was a private detective, and for one of those seasons, he was a private detective who fought monsters. Yeah, on the show called Baywatch Nights. Baywatch Nights. So they he took care of everyone's business. Uh, Baywatch was a juggernaut. Yes, it was. It's, it's it's so unbelievably stupid. Why was it successful? Because it had attractive people in red swimsuits. That's a big uh, part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just you can just watch it. It's, it's like, something that's stupid. Uh, it's they, on uh, Saturday afternoon, and you're well, gonna watch it. We'll get to the show in question in a second, and it is Baywatch adjacent. So We're, so hang with it's us. Totally but, uh, similar. We're gonna get to it. Uh, Baywatch filmed on Santa Monica Beach, which was right near where I where I grew up, mm-hmm. and we would go down to the beach early in the mornings and exercise. This is something my mother had decreed for us. Mm. And if you go down to the be- Santa Monica beach at like 5 a.m., that's about when they're filming because there's just enough light, but mm-hmm. there's nobody on the beach yet. Yeah, they can get a lot done. So uh, Yeah, so for like maybe an hour and a half, you can film a couple scenes. So uh, more than once we went down there and we saw all of the extras in their swimsuits being spray-painted tan. Yeah, as like if the- they've been there all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, so the, those nice sun dappled tans Bless you'd them. see on uh, on Baywatch were just airbrushed onto them. 
I like to think it was spray paint. They're just painting them. <laughs> oh, God. In any case, uh, the important thing is that the 90s were also a time where schlock could find a big audience. And there was a lot of schlock on there. There was a lot of uh, cheesy adventure shows. There were a lot of fantasy shows. This is the age of the very campy Hercules and Xena TV programs. Actually having a really big audience. Uh, And so a lot of people, when they weren't trying to chase down the X-Files money or the ER money, or the Law and Order money. They were trying to chase down the Baywatch-type money. Yeah. The money where it's basically, we're going to have a bunch of attractive people, and there's going to be a bunch of, so- of storylines that are really, really stupid. We all know why we're here. We're here to watch attractive people do actiony things. Mm. And that brings us to Brian Bosworth. Brian the, the, Bosworth... The, the best actor of his generation. Brian Bosworth, a.k.a. The Boz which I looked up, was sports. He was an NFL star. He did sports for a while. He was very big in sports. I remember hearing Mm. the name Brian Bosworth in conjunction with sports Mm. many times. Now, I'm saying this... He he, he played for the Seattle Seahawks. He was a big deal. He He won won awards and stuff. No, no, I'm I'm not mocking him. I'm explaining in my own way. That, once again, and we we talked about this when we did the TV series Pitch. Mm. We talked about this when we did a commentary track on our Patreon for that movie, The Replacements. We're not sports people. Mm. I can't tell you the nuts and bolts of Brian Bosworth's football career. Right. I know he was super famous. And like many super famous people, especially super famous people who were very fit, mm. he tried to make the transition from his original career, whether it's you know mm. traditional sports, uh, wrestling, Hulk Hogan did this a lot. Uh, to not just movies, but action movies. I think, because uh, there was this sort of badass cinema wave of the yeah, 80s and 90s with your Schwarzenegger yeah, and Stallone. I was going to say, Schwarzenegger was the one who really pushed that out. Because he yeah. was a bodybuilder. Well, uh, He was a very sort of charismatic and the bodybuilding circuit. Mm-hmm. So some, And you know, he's like really large and intimidating. Yeah. You want to point a camera at that guy. And so let's put him in movies. And wouldn't you know it, he's made dozens. And it's easy to, to point to Schwarzenegger as sort of like the, the main example of this because he had actually a very long, very successful career across multiple films and franchises and sometimes actually gave really good performances. Um, cinema has been doing this for forever. Uh, the original, uh, well, I don't know if he was the original Tarzan, but the, the, the iconic Tarzan, mm. Johnny Weissmuller was from a, 1930s a, and was 40s. An Olympic swimmer. He was an Olympic swimmer. And that dude was a hunk. And so they put him in Tarzan. And you know what? He, he Tarzan was not a particularly demanding role in those screenplays. And he did fine. The first two in particular, really quite good. Tar, tar, the second film, Tarzan and His Mate, is the best in the series. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, Johnny Weiss... <laughs> Not not uh, another, not a great another, actor. Another best actor of his generation. I yeah. got to I got to swim in a pool that Johnny Weissmuller designed. That's cool. At a hotel in San Diego where all the movie stars hung out. Back that in the is 40s. very cool. But then we had uh, hold on. Who was that other guy? He was um, was it Crash Corrigan? Wasn't Crash Corrigan? Then he gets started as a. I might be. I think I'm wrong. I thought he. Right. I, no, I think I'm wrong. Actually, hold on. I thought he started to start as a yeah. as a sports guy. There, I'm there wrong. Are, there but uh, Steve of, Reeves was a bodybuilder. Yeah, he became a lot Hercules. Of, uh, athletes and bodybuilders. That was a huge blockbuster uh, franchise. They became bankable in this generation with yeah. with Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah. And I guess Lou Ferrigno as well, who competed against Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Lou Ferrigno found most of his success on television mm-hmm. and The Incredible Hulk. But regardless, yeah, you could, of, if you were a big, tough-looking guy, yeah. get big, tough guy roles. Uh, and oh, there was a lot of them. Bubba Smith. There you uh, go. Uh, was in the Police Academy movies. Mm-hmm. Got made a lot of money yeah. that way. O.J. Simpson did did some acting before, mm. you know, 
Well, he was a football star, and then he did some acting. He did. He was in. He was in some. He was in the Naked Gun movies, and other things happened in his life as well. And we're just gonna let that go for a minute. You can look that up if somehow you don't know how that went. There's an eight-hour feature film called OJ Made in America. I recommend you watch that documentary film. Won an Academy Award. Wow. It details not just uh, OJ Simpson's life and Mm -hmm. the OJ Simpson murder case, but also. Just sort of the state of fame in America. Like, yeah. it really go- does a, a deep dive. It's great. It's an excellent film. Um, so, again, Brian Bosworth thought, I will throw my hat in that ring. He was incredibly popular at the time. He did a movie that was reasonably successful, if memory serves, called Stone Cold. I know that's a big one on sort of, like, the schlock circuit. Like, yeah. people who like B-movies, like Stone yeah. Cold. Oh, no, actually, sadly, it did not make money. I, I think I'm remembering its cult fame. Okay, that yeah. people There are definitely people who enjoy It's a movie where he goes undercover with a biker gang. It's, a, it's mm. a very Ross Hagen kind of script. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, that movie sadly bombed, and uh, he ended up doing uh, mo- mostly straight-to-video type stuff for most of his career. He had a very small role in the movie Three Kings from uh, David O. Russell. Uh, he's done a lot of TV. He's done some Christian films. Uh, and briefly, in 1997, Brian Bosworth starred in his own action-adventure series as a private detective named John Lawless. And the show was called... John. No, sorry, it was called Lawless. It was called Lawless. Brian Bosworth. Glenn Plummer. Miami's coolest private eyes. Are too dangerous to be cops. Too good to be stopped. This just doesn't seem to be your lucky day. Lawless. Premiere Saturday at 9, 8 Central on Fox. Lawless. Ironically, he's enforcing the law. Uh, okay. We got a crime show. In, we do! In 1997. Yeah! Uh, and it's got bikers, it's got it's, bikini babes, it's got, it's got a, a helicopter. R- really uh, racist stereotype yes, it Latin does. characters. Yes, it does. Um, it's, uh, oh gosh. Um... So, okay, you got your football star, mm-hmm. and, and the premise has to be something really digestible. What kind of characters can a football star play? Uh-huh. They have to be former military guys. Usually or, that's or the trick. Or bodybuilders or, or uh, bodyguards, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just some uh, something that requires a lot of physicality they, they, and violence. They can also be an ex-sports star. We, we, uh, what was a Tag team was a oh, tail pilot. Was, tag team was really fun, Tag actually, team was yeah. a wonderful pilot we, we reviewed a few years ago starring Rowdy Roddy Piper from They Live mm-hmm. and Jesse the Body Ventura and they were wrestlers who got run out of the ring because they were... They, they were black, some they, scandal. They, yeah. black, you know, they, they didn't do it, but it, was, it, would, it looked bad. And then they couldn't find a way... They, their, their wrestling skills got in the way of every other job. There's a funny bit where they tried to like become piano movers and ended up breaking the piano because yeah, they were throwing them too far and, and so too strong and then they ended up uh accidentally uh getting involved in and foiling a an armed robbery and decide hey let's be cops so they become cops and none of the other cops respect them because they're former wrestlers mm. and it's charming as hell and, and they're both like kind of dunderheads yeah. but they're good meaning they're very yeah. well-intentioned yeah. honest guys and god that would have been a good show that would have been a really <laughs> fun program yeah, but... i would have had a good time watching that um, uh, so we have a football star. We have Brian Bosworth, yeah. and uh, so 
there's only so much you can do with Brian Bosworth. So, of course, he's a former military guy. He's just a former military and, uh, tough guy. Yeah, and he rides around on a motorcycle and he says tough guy stuff. It, it's 1997. This feels like it would have been dated a decade earlier. Oh, yeah. Like, this, all these those cheesy one-liners. This, this show definitely came out at bare minimum five years too late. Five years to like minimum for it it to feel even remotely culturally relevant. So, uh, and so you have him charging around doing tough guy things and, you know, being very confident in the face of dangerous Mm. criminals who don't, at first don't take him seriously, but then are very intimidated by him. Yes. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of charisma. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's a a big tough guy. You kind of like, you like watching just sort of Mm kind of what a dummy he is. Well, they, they, they play it off as though he's actually like a pretty normal guy and he's yeah. actually kind of likable. So they're just, they're not he's, trying to ask Bosworth to do a lot. Yeah. Uh, he's such a bad actor that you might <laughs> notice this throughout Lawless. His speech patterns mm-hmm. will start matching whoever his co-star is in the scene. <laughs> like he starts talking <laughs> like whoever he's sharing a scene he does, with. He does that. It's, yeah, it's yeah, really obnoxious. It it's, it's especially really bad when he's uh, operating uh, opposite his sidekick character. Now, mm-hmm. If you got a really good charismatic sidekick mm-hmm. to carry the show, yeah. he plays the sidekick character. He's technically the supporting role, but if he's the he's one... He's in almost every scene. If like he's, he's going to be in yeah. almost every scene, he's the one who's going to be bringing the jokes. He's the one who's going to be balancing the lead. If you got a good sidekick, it wouldn't really matter if your uh, your lead actor was kind of a dummy. Yeah. Uh I don't have anything really against Glenn Plummer, who is the actor who plays the sidekick. No. Glenn, Glenn Plummer is an actor who you would definitely recognize from either Speed or Showgirls. Or Speed 2. That's right, and he came back for Speed 2. You, you may recall in the, in Showgirls, he played, was he a photographer in Showgirls? No, he was, was a, briefly uh, a, a choreographer. He was a choreographer. He was a choreographer. He was briefly romancing the protagonist, Nomi, and then the script kind of forgets about him for a while. Uh, in the he movies, has some, some golden lines. He does. <laughs> really choice. A lot of people do in that movie. Uh, in Speed, you might remember Glenn Plummer as uh, when Keanu Reeves finds out that there's a bomb on a bus. He runs he has, onto the freeway. He runs onto the freeway, and he has to commandeer a vehicle in order to catch up to the bus. And he run, he uh, ends up commandeering a sports car, and it is being driven by Glenn Plummer, who is like, "You're messing with my car. This is my yeah. baby." Like his whole thing is he loves his car. Yeah. And then they bring that character back for a little cameo bit in uh, Speed Two Cruise Control because everyone thought he was funny. Uh, it was briefly this moment. Where Glenn Plumber, who has worked consistently ever since, his yeah. career is really good for him. Honestly, he, he showed up in Showgirls Two, Pennies yes, he from did. Heaven. We uh, remember when we had yes, Rena Riffle did. on the podcast. I that was really a blast. do. That was a good day. <laughs> he was in the Substitute, which is actually a pretty good movie. Um, he's been in a lot of movies, many of them quite good. And if they're bad, he'll show up anyway and he'll do his job. Uh, he. Uh... But there was this He's, moment in the 90s where it looked like after the Speed movies and people kind of noticed him and he was in Showgirls and he might get... Well, he that, might that be, was a bomb, though. So that's that was true. Not a good, good for his career. That's true. But before it comes out, you got to realize he's in the next big Paul Verhoeven movie. That's true. So it's looking pretty good and he can probably get bigger roles than he ever would at any point in his career. And starring in a pilot for Fox, one of the major networks, mm. probably didn't seem like too bad an idea. Glenn Plummer is... Um, Look, he's, he's he's adrift here. He's he's doing what the script asks him, and, and the, the script, script is, is asking him to do very very little. So yeah, the script the script is mad at him for some reason, and I don't know why. Not the kind of he's not the kind of performer who has that kind of wherewithal to take a scene and run with it. There are some mm. actors who do that. They they're just so charismatic, mm. or 
they're so ego driven yeah. that they will make whatever scene they're in kind of their own. I don't, I don't like that script. I'm going to do it this way. And that's more mm-hmm. interesting. And sometimes that works really well for the production. Sometimes not. Yeah. I know that's a big case with, uh, with Wesley Snipes. Mm. You see Wesley Snipes movie. He's making up a lot of that Yeah, because he's a, a smart, charismatic actor and he can get away with that kind of thing. Yeah. Often it works. Sometimes the director doesn't know how to rein yeah. him in and it doesn't. The uh, if you remember the line from Blade, the yes. really dumb line of from uh, uh, Blade. You the, mean the, the best line, line from Blade? The, the superhero movie with Wesley Snipes. Yes. Uh, Some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate, ice uphill. skate uphill, and evidently that was something uh, Wesley Snipes just said during like a production meeting. Like yeah. he was saying, "This this is this movie's kind of a uh, bit of a mess." Some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill, and they just wrote it and, into and the this, movie. And the screenwriter, I, I think it was David Goyer, it was David Goyer, that, yeah. said, uh, "Oh wait, I like that. We should have that in the movie." And Wesley Snipes said, "No, no, don't, that's don't put that's dumb. Don't put it in a movie. <laughs> it's just something I said." He's like, "No, no, we're gonna put that in the movie." And there it is. You know what? It's, 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 it's one of the it's one of the best pits of the movie. <laughs> it really yeah. is. See, Blade, but Wesley Snipes plays Blade like a larger than life hero, and that's, that's actually Blade is a great example of in the late nineties. I think it actually might have been ninety seven, ninety eight when Blade came out. Blade came out. Yeah, and... that was actually one of the last vestiges of just pure badass action cinema actually working. Yeah, where that that movie could have totally been made in nineteen eighty nine, well, and it would have been no, pretty similar. Actually, I think Blade has a very particular late nineties style. Oh, in terms of like it's leather uh, and the, it's and, and the, it's, I'm the, talking the about prodigy like music on the soundtrack. I'm not talking about stylistic elements, which would change no matter what. I'm talking about the basic script of that movie okay. would have been you could the Canon Group would have done that in eighty nine. Yes, they and it would have been basically the same film, and it would have been a good film, and I would have liked it. Yeah, um, Glenn Pl- my point being, Glenn Plummer is no Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Glenn Plummer is asked to, because the boss is basically, he's tough, he's hunky, everyone likes him. He's a, he's a battering it's, ram of a character. Just charges in and does brash things. Glenn Plummer is the funny sidekick, and in order to be the funny sidekick, theoretically, you're supposed to have jokes. Uh, they do not offer him any, nor does he take some. Hmm. So what he ends up doing is being really whiny all the time. And so, like, there's a bit at the beginning... Uh, they were in, like, um, Special Forces together. Yeah. But Glenn Plummer was Glenn, Glenn a... Glenn Plummer hel- gets a, a monologue yeah. describing... Yeah. Like, their really harrowing help, experience How they, they became yeah. compatriots. Uh, but it, basically, the boss does all the action stuff, and Glenn Plummer is uh, the vehicle guy. He ends up... Uh, he actually has a helicopter. Mm. He runs a helicopter service out of Miami, which apparently in Miami, they just let you park that your helicopter on the beach randomly. He, uh, he actually says, every time he lands, he gets out, it's like, okay, we, we gotta get out of here before somebody comes to get us. Because, yeah, like, because... Not, I can't just land a helicopter. You're not here. supposed to do that. Mm. But there he is, just hanging out in front of his helicopter on the beach. And, like, we, we're introduced... There's, a, there's an opening sequence I want to talk about because it's really funny. But the main opening sequence where we really get to know their characters, they're just hanging out on the beach. The boss is like sitting down in a, in a lawn chair. And Glenn Plummer is just like, hey, we made an agreement. I will work with you. And in exchange, you take your shirt off and the babes come. That's yeah. his stick. He wants babes, but he's not good at babes. So, so whenever yeah, babes are around, on... he says a lot of things and it doesn't get him babes. Hmm. Is, uh, the, the the lascivious girl crazy character is uh-huh. an unfortunately persistent cliche. It's rare that that character is funny. I, Very I, I'm trying to think I of like a of good example, example of like the horny best friend. Yeah, uh, I don't know Riff in West Side Story. Like, ah, I mean, kind of. He's not really yeah. that horny though. He's great. I mean, 
the way the way Mike Face plays him, he is. Yeah, but I was like, about to say. <laughs> God, he should have been. He should. Mike Face has like sex appeal coming. He off was an Oscar him, nominated for that movie. Was he, he? was not. Fucking should have been. Ariana DeBose won, and she yeah. should have. Mike Face should have been at least nominated. He's amazing. Yeah, he was not part. nominated for that mm. for West Side Story. Fucking but, um, crime. Yeah, I'm trying to think though. There's yeah. there's got to be. There's got to be one. Falstaff. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Falstaff. Right? Yeah, Falstaff. That level of greatness. You know that's, 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 that's that's the up, that's the upper standard you're the, going these, for. These, they all come from Pantaleone, from <laughs> Commedia dell'arte. Uh, no, um, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, that's the yeah. model we're going off of. Sort of like the yeah. the lesser, less less intelligent, less noble mm-hmm. best friend character who is more interested in earthly pleasures. But occasionally, like Falstaff, Glenn Plummer does get a moment of actual pathos. Yes, which is what they. God, he is Falstaff, isn't he? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> you know what? I would love to see Glenn Plummer play Falstaff. He'd probably be pretty He'd good probably Falstaff. Be pretty good I got Falstaff. No, again, no disrespect to Glenn Plummer. He no. is not given anything good to work with here. No. <laughs> the, see, he is a fine actor, Glenn Plummer. <laughs> I respect the opening of this uh, episode because it's it's kind of like a little self-contained, little like James Bond opening story where there's like a couple of big stunts right at the beginning so you yeah. know what you're in for. and feels like it might have been added after the fact just because it was and, kind uh, of boring and stupid. And I, and I thought they, they actually hoodwinked me at this point. Because oh, yeah. I didn't know Glenn Plummer was a regular in this. Oh, you thought it was just a, a random Glenn Plummer I thought Plummer it was like, appearance. oh, here's like, he gets a small role in this. No, yeah. no he's actually regular. This was going to be his his thing. It opens with, what a what a, what an incredible like sequence of events this, this uh, series opens with. Uh, it opens with a... Uh, Black market gun yeah, bad, sale. Bad guy lair. Yeah, bad guys are buying guns mm-hmm. uh, at the pier. This like, this takes place in Miami. They take too long to tell you that, but it does. Okay, well, there, there's there's a glory shot of Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you recognize? I I, I I must have only been half paying attention to the to the uh, uh, establishing shots uh, because to me everything looks like Canada. I grew up watching TV in the nineties. Um, th- someone's buying a whole lot of guns. At the pier. Glenn Plummer shows up delivering a bucket of chicken, and which leads to this great uh, uh, exchange from uh, the black market gun runners who are selling like $200,000 worth of guns. You know, really organized guys mm. got their shit together. This is BS. We didn't order any chicken. To which the guy buying $200,000 worth of guns says, Who cares? I'm starving. And proceeds to start eating the chicken. And then, for no reason, it feels like they gave the, the a, a line from another character to this guy. Because for no reason, he flips on a dime and goes from, Who cares? I'm starving. I just want chicken. To, Who are you? No one orders chicken at 4 a.m. And they try to write it into the script that it, there's actually a 24-hour chicken delivery joint called mm. chicken around the cluck uh which honestly put it put that near college and you'd please, make money please yeah. do that i will i will eat that that sounds great i i am to this day mm-hmm. uh now I, I went to college in the 90s mm-hmm. when the coffee house boom was occurring when starbucks was first becoming a thing mm-hmm. when starbucks was really exotic yeah starbucks was a the, new fancy Ooh, there's a starbucks yeah. in town um, <laughs> we've made it <laughs> yeah it, it was it was really the hip thing yeah 
And uh, none of these coffee jo- joints were open 24 hours. Yeah. It would have made perfect sense to have one of those near a college. Kids would come in at 2 a.m. and get a cup of coffee. I'm going to tell people, if, you, if you've never lived in L.A. or spent any significant amount of time in L.A., uh, a lot of people might not realize this about L.A. L.A. is not an all-night town. I mean, it depends where you are. Uh, there's yeah, a couple there's... of places. If you Listen, the vast majority of L.A. shuts down at 9 or 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's some clubs. You can oh. go to. There's a couple of all night diner type places, but seriously, it's pretty dead. And as I learned from Lawless, so was Miami in the middle of the night in 1997. So everyone's eating chicken, everyone's upset, and then gradually they come to the realization. <laughs> gradually, they... everyone's eating chicken, everyone's upset. It's like August Osage County. Everyone's. Weird joke. Anyway, it's a Neil Simon play. I'm eating chicken and I'm angry at you. You don't love me, do you? <laughs> anyway, it gradually dawns on them that the person who sent them the chicken is probably lawless. At which point, uh, Glenn Plummer, who's been trying to write it off as though he's just the chicken delivery guy, starts saying, like, sort of like, and then lawless showed up. Mm. After a minute of that, Lawless jumps his motorcycle over a truck, oh and then right no, before, no reason, that's no not reason. way. He just just did it. Jumps the motorcycle over a truck. After at which point he takes off his helmet and throws it to the side as if he'll never need it again. And then well, he proceeds fuck to do, safety. And then he proceeds to do a whole bunch of dangerous motorcycle stunts, like bumping into people, mm. knocking them over, and then. Uh, the bucket of chicken explodes because there's like a there's flare inside of it. It was like a smoke bomb or something. Yeah, it's like yeah. a yeah. And then everyone's like, "Oh no, the chicken!" And then he starts beating up more people. And then it turns out that the helmet had an explosive device in it. That's what he chose to wear while he was jumping over a truck—a helmet with a bomb inside. And then he hits a thing, and the thing explodes. And then he hits another thing, and then another thing explodes. We didn't even know about. And then Glenn Plummer's just like. Hey, Lawless, and Lawless is just like, what's up? And then they're like, should we like apprehend these guys or something? And they're like, no. And then they leave. No, uh, every, <laughs> they don't do anything. Everything you just described, that's got to be the way they pitched it. And then there's an explosion, and then there's another explosion, another thing blows up, and they say, hey, you okay? And they're like, yeah. And then, and that's our pilot. Okay, fine. Here's your check. This here's movie. Your, here's this, your check, son. This, uh, this pilot has, like, a creative consultant credit for Richard Matheson. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have no... I what, want to know the, what, what he said. One of I, the best science fiction authors ever. One of the greatest authors of the 20th century, if you ask me personally, I'm a huge fan. Hmm. I want to know what he said. Because they just you gave him the script. And I just want to know that Richard Matheson said, okay, his helmet should be a bomb, and then this guy should you know, try to get you know girls what? a lot. Richard Matheson. Like, he's uh-huh. he's not writing the lascivious sidekick character. No. He's not writing the action stuff. Yeah. I'm willing to bet Richard Matheson said, we need some humanity in this. And we he, need, a, like, a... Ba- and he's probably the one who wrote the Glenn Plummer monologue we talked about. I would not be shocked with that. With the, I, um, it's who knows. Uh, who knows? Um, Might have caught him on an off weekend. So yeah. Uh, then we get to that uh, yeah. that cruising situation. Yeah, you're, they're you're cruising, for, cruising for babes. Well, Bob Bobsworth is not cruising for babes. No. He's just sitting there, and he has a shirt on, and Glenn Plummer tries to take his shirt off it's actually kind of violating mm. and shitty like it's a it's weird like, thing that you, he's you yelling have, at him you have a nice physique take your shirt off the the miami bikini babes which are mm. in the back shot background shot of anything that's filmed in miami yeah uh they will drift over here and i will be able to talk to them and have sex with them uh-huh like in, in not so many words and bosworth is just like i am not a piece of meat glenn Plummer. 
and then he he goes to flirt with Glenn Plummer's mom, who has yeah, a restaurant uh, across the street. Glenn Plummer's mom is, was going to be a regular character on the show, and uh-huh. we learned that that uh, Boz and Glenn Plummer were. Their their relationship is a little more brotherly. Like they've yeah. spent so much time together, and they're kind of like yeah. family. And like her, her his, that, uh, Glenn Plummer's mom knows Brosworth and considers him another son. Yeah, and to the point where he actually, she actually, like mm. rebuffs uh, Glenn mm. Plummer right in front of him. Yeah, it's like I, I, you're like the son I never had. I'm the son you do have, and she doesn't and, care. And, She's... and you know, I've that, that's. Cute mm. joke. I've seen that in a lot of shows yeah. and TVs. Uh, uh, his mother show, shows and TVs. I've seen them in the TVs. Glenn mother, uh, Glenn mother's Glenn Plummer's mother. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Glenn Plummer's mummy uh-huh. uh, is played by Janet Hubert, who was, I believe, the original was an aunt or cousin Vivian on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, I never saw that show. She was the original. Uh, she was on the original uh, few seasons of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and then. <laughs> Boy, did they screw her over. They're just like, hey, would you, instead of like, the show is a hit, here's some more money so you'll stay, they say, the show is a hit, you're taking a pay cut, and we need an exclusivity thing from you. So she said, fuck off, and then they recast her. Um, Jeez. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Uh, she plays Glenn Plummer's mom. She is five years older than Glenn Plummer. For the first half of their scene together, I thought she was playing his girlfriend. <laughs> because they do not she doesn't even they don't even play it up they don't give her like gray hair or nothing like that she looks like they're the same age mm. like maybe a couple of years older How, like she looks she, she's I think Glenn Plummer was still pretty young at this point I mean he was born in I think early 60s and she was born in like 56 okay. so like they're not, not that old older, yeah. they're not She's like they're both in their thirties. Like it's ridiculous. Uh, Glenn Plummer uh, was born in sixty one. Yeah, and then uh, Janet Hubert was born in fifty six. So just so five years. Five years older. Than five that. fucking ye- ridiculous. So I guess she would have been like forty. Mm. But in any case, absolutely fucking absurd. Um, and then we find out that uh, there's there's a client. Lawless has a new client. His client. Well, and I appreciate this. Yeah. So okay, we've we've established that he's an action guy. Yeah. And we've established the relationship between these two characters. Mm-hmm. I don't like this stuff, but they're mm-hmm. establishing it. They're at least yeah. laying the groundwork. Pretty straightforward stuff. And yeah. now that's all we need. We don't need a whole origin story. Nope. We need to know what he's going to do every week. And then this pilot just gets right to it. It's like okay, someone's going to approach it. This is going to be like burn notice. Yep. You're a freelance problem solver. Yep. And somebody's going to come up to you, and they're going to say, "I have a problem." And uh, she gives a fake name, which is like, like, well, Martin, Maggie Dixon. Maggie Dixon. She uh, goes, we, we clearly a fake name, which they even make fun of. We meet her earlier in the episode. Uh, she, we just the cold, like uh, right after the credits, it's cold. She walks into an apartment, and the apartment is just absolutely trashed. But for a minute, I couldn't tell which cliche we were going with, because there's two cliches in an action movie where someone walks into an apartment. And it's a mess. One cliche is, oh no, someone broke in and ravaged my apartment. Perhaps they were looking for something. The other cliche is, this is how much of a slob our hero is. And then you see, like, (laughs) Marion Cobretti in Cobra, like, you know, he's got, like, five-day-old food that he's still eating, and he's, like, cutting pizza with scissors. Like... I thought Cobra was, like, really fastidious and clean, wasn't he? Who am I thinking of? He was, um... I don't know. Mm. 
Uh, I know uh, Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop. I know Car- uh, Stallone's version of Carter and Get Carter, like that. I didn't see that. That remake. remake of Get Carter that nobody saw. I didn't see that remake. I, I saw that remake. <laughs> Did you see the original? And he uh, he has OCD, so he actually okay. like has everything arranged just so. It's that, a choice. Then, okay. Was it? Is, is it? How did it compare to the original? I, I watched them back to back, so Ooh. so that was kind of a mistake. That was probably a huge and I, mistake. I watched the and I watched the remake second, which is was a big mistake. Ooh. If you're going to watch a remake or a sequel, watch the newest one first and then go backwards. Cause, yeah, there's uh, no way, especially if we're going to do it back-to-back. Because it has to stand up on its own. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in any no, case... It's, so it's I, completely for, forgettable. For a second, I thought that was Bosworth's apartment and this was like his girlfriend. But no, she, someone broke into her place. She's on the run. And uh, she doesn't want to tell... She wants, I need to hire you to help me, but I won't tell you literally anything. And they're like, well, then we won't. Mm. And then they leave. And she's like, what kind of private detectives are you? And I'm like baseline competent well i appreciate glenn Plummer has a couple lines yeah. of dialogue where she's like aren't you going to help me he's like well no we need to know more we have to something we have to do you yeah have to give us some facts before we can move we can't yeah. just sort of do stuff and then uh, uh ba- the boss uh takes her uh id and credit cards and and i love that this takes place at a time when this was still new tech hmm. he scans them that's right, he's got computer he's stuff. He's got a scanner in his office, and he scans, and he keeps it with his guns. He's got, like, a room, like in the Matrix, where there's just, like, this giant wall of guns, mm-hmm. but there's also, a, like, a 1990s computer scanner in it, and he puts the scanner in there, and he's able to look at her credit cards and her ID, but also her fingerprints. 97, those, those cutting-edge stuff. I know, I know. It's, it's fun now. Like, it's, it's kind of funny, because mm-hmm. nowadays that's kind of... It's almost very, standard equipment now. No, you can do that on your phone. You don't even need a scanner for it now, but, like, you know, at the time... Mm. Noteworthy. It's a little funny, but it's you know it's perfectly fine. The thing is, when you when you're watching old stuff like this, and we ran into this with Clute as well when we mm. just did an episode about Clute. There's a plot point in the movie Clute where someone has an audio recorder that fits in your pocket, which was a pretty novel device in the early 1970s. Um, and they have to make a point of it. Oh, mm. I know I know that that exists. I've seen those. Yeah. Nowadays, that's. Even in the 90s, that would have been completely tech anyone can buy at mm. any electronic store. Um, you just got to remember that you can you can chuckle all you want, but you got to remember that after a while, every movie becomes a period piece. <laughs> right. That, that Clute is not a movie that's taking place right now, but the styles are different. That is a period piece set, in, even though it was contemporary at the time, now mm. it's a period piece set in the 1970s. Same thing with Lawless. Lawless is just like Clute. Anyway... Just as good as Clue. Exactly as good as Clue. In fact, I think Pakula directed this one. He did, yeah. yeah. This was one of his uh, lesser lesser efforts. Let me look up who directed this. No, this this one was directed uh, by someone who did like a lot of TV. It was directed by Christopher Tabori. Christopher, oh, I forgot about this. Christopher Tabori, who directed this episode and directed a lot of TV, does a lot of like voiceover acting. He plays a lot of like robots and Star Wars video games. Okay. Don Siegel's son. No kidding. Yeah. Also, right. and his mom is an actress I'm not super familiar with. Uh, All right. Vivica Lindfors, who I'm not super familiar with. She's a Swedish actress. You might, I guess she was in Stargate. She was in Creepshow. She was in Adventures of Don Juan. Okay, I should know who this is. Hmm. But apparently I don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he has a long storied career. Uh, they find out that this lady is part of the Witness Protection Program. That's why she didn't want to tell them anything. Hmm. And then, like a bunch of assholes, they immediately like. So I guess you're a criminal, huh? She's like, No, I'm a witness. I'm. I was. I was a doctor. Wait, wait, oh, I guess protect- you killed a lot of people for malpractice, didn't you? No, she was like, dude. Well, well, what I appreciate, and 
you can tell that she's just the case of the week. Yeah. But I appreciate what something I actually do appreciate about this pilot is mm-hmm. that they her her character and her profession actually lent a lot to the tone of what was going on in, in that episode. They actually incorporated it yeah. throughout. Like she actually is an important character in the story. She's not yeah. just I have a case, go investigate it. Yeah. She's active throughout. And, and in fact, uh she it's revealed she's not just a doctor, she's a psychiatrist. She's yeah. a shrink. And she was a psychiatrist to the wife of a criminal, like underworld. Like a, yeah, like a kingpin of some kind. Yeah, like, like a, a drug, a drug kingpin. And, and uh, she, she, she didn't know that she, she mm. gave her patient gave a fake name. She's mm. just treating her. She because her patient didn't mm. want it known that she was married to a kingpin. Yeah. So she actually got to know a lot of details about this guy without knowing that it was it was about a crime yeah. boss. And all and, of a sudden she knows all this stuff about a crime boss. And then the and then her client the boss, dies yeah. under mm. mysterious circumstances and she has reasoned and she has testimony says and her husband threatened to kill her. So she she trying to be a good Samaritan goes to the cops and then oh no, they found her. Mm. She tries to contact the US Marshal who is or the federal marshal. I don't know if that's a different thing. Uh, the federal marshal who is responsible for keeping her safe. He's unavailable. And it turns out the other federal marshals on the case are corrupt. Mm. They try to kidnap her. Uh, they run to, they, they, like, right then, like, this, it, it, say what you will about Lawless, it keeps moving. <laughs> it does, not a lot of downtime. They, uh, they end up running to the helicopter across the street. They jump in the helicopter. The bad guys shoot at the helicopter. And here's something I didn't know about helicopters. Hmm. Cannot be hit with a bullet. You cannot, if you're in a helicopter, if you're hanging from a helicopter, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if a guy's five feet away from you. If he is shooting at you, you will it will go wide off to the side. Mm-hmm. Just like it's like that one uh, James Bond ma- a magnet gadget where like it'll like create a polarization that'll like make a bullet like veer off five feet to the right, which is one of the stupider gadgets. <laughs> I remember Mythbusters great, great. did that once, and they were just like, "Do we really even have to try this? Like, there's no <laughs> fucking way this works." But anyway, every time Brian Bosworth is in that helicopter or hanging from that helicopter, people are always shooting at him. They're always ten feet away at most, and they never hit anything. It is hilarious. Uh, this is something that's really kind of rubs me the wrong way about gunfights yeah. in, in action movies and TV yeah. series. You want to fire a lot of bullets, right? Yeah, it would make sense. That's, People would shoot at they're, you. They're noisy, and we like noisy, violent things. That's yes. why we put noisy, violent things in movies, because mm-hmm. they make a lot of noise, and they do damage. I like explosions that make but lots of sparks. We want to fire a, <coughs> we have to fire a bunch of bullets, but we don't have one victim per bullet. Yeah. You know, they fire thousands of bullets. They're not killing thousands of people. Not usually, no. So, especially when, especially when they're firing at the hero, who we need to make it to the end of the movie. Yeah. So, guns are meaningless mm-hmm. in action movies. Mostly, it's, yes. It's rare that some someone, a good guy or a bad guy, gets hit in one of those like mm-hmm. gun battles where a lot of bullets are flying. If somebody yeah. gets shot, it's usually like a hand to hand sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, you know the the, the hero disregarded as a flesh wound. Yeah, and the, I'm the, like all wounds are flesh the, wounds. The hero and the villain like uh, one has a, a drop on the other, or it's like yeah. a hostage scenario, or there's maybe like five yeah. people. If there's a, a gunfight with maybe uh, like a small group, someone's gonna mm-hmm. get hit. Why do we have machine guns in movies at all? Listen, to be fair, they serve the most useless function. I'm it's, with you. They're not exciting. They're, it's just noise. It's the, it's the equivalent of having firecrackers at a parade or something like yeah. that. They're just noise. Here's what I'll say: they I'm may not, as well just be throwing firecrackers mm-hmm. at each other for as effective as it is. Here's what I'm gonna say about mm-hmm. that because you're right, but 
That's true for any dangerous thing that happens in a movie. Mm. They'll only get hurt if it serves the plot. Yeah. They're not, no one's, it, it, it's very, very rare that a character will just get incidentally hurt. Mm. Every once in a while, I've seen it happen, I can't really think of an example off the top of my head, but like, someone will actually injure themselves on set, whether it's an actual on-set accident mm. or just nearby, yeah. and they yeah. need look, to incorporate look to, it into the story. Yeah, look, like, look that's to happened. any, any, uh, any Jackie Chan movie. They, they, yeah. They usually like, have to like, put a cast on his foot and then wrap uh, it up yeah. in something that looks well, like a sneaker. But some, but sometimes they actually just lean into it. It's like, oh, and then I got hurt. And then that damn that guy's arm is in a sling for the rest of the movie. I can't think of an example. I know that's happened. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Or um, every once in a while, uh, they'll like write the fact that it was random into the story. I remember reading uh, the they published uh, the script to Andrew Kevin Walker's script for Eight Millimeter. Mm, which okay. is uh, basically uh, right after Seven came out. Andrew Kevin Walker was a screenwriter of Seven briefly very hot shit and they rush into production this thriller which was a lot like the was it paul schrader who did hardcore yeah yeah paul uh it it was about a nicholas cage played an investigator who had to investigate a snuff film yeah a snuff film is a film in which and and here's the deal allegedly no one's ever actually found like a market for this it's it's totally an urban legend but uh, somebody is killed expressly for the purposes of filming their death and then selling that on the black market to an audience that's not really a thing that happens but uh it's enough of an urban legend that they were able to make a a, in fact that actually is a plot point in the movie that there was there's no such thing thing. nicholas cage is uh, investigating what may be the murder of uh someone in a snuff film Mm -hmm. and he finally tracks down the people who made it, and Andrew Kevin Walker was like writing in like the script notes in the in this published screenplay that this was the scene in the movie where it was he was so bored writing it because here's what's gonna happen <laughs> he's gonna Nicholas Cage they're gonna try to kill Nicholas Cage he's gonna yeah. get away he'll have to track him down one by one and I was like what if one of them just accidentally gets shot there just Randall I had this whole thing structured out and it's so it's so rote. Mm. At this point, that the best, the only thing I can do is just add chaos. So there's a gun in the scene. The gun goes off and kills someone randomly, and that throws the entire second half of the story in disarray because now you don't know where it's going to go. All right, and like yeah, uh, that's yeah. a good idea. I remember a scene from a maybe a little less of a grim example, yeah. but um, I like when this happens in a movie yeah. when uh, there's there's going to be a gunfight and someone leaves. Yeah, they don't stay for the gunfight. I remember yeah. in Iron Man three, right there's a really wonderful bit where. Um, Iron Man is in a room with like a couple of like bodyguards, like big thug guys, and they all have guns. And he doesn't have his his uh, suit of armor on, and then like mm. pieces of it flying through the window, he's able to sort of best them with bits of armor, mm-hmm. and they shoot at him. And of course, he just blasts them away. And then he turns to the last guy, and the guy just drops his gun. It's like, yeah, I don't even like these guys. I'm not going to shoot you. Yeah, you're you're clearly the I hero of this. I, <laughs> I, I'm just this is a paycheck. I'm not I'm not going to kill you, Iron Man. I'm, I'm the last guy. I'm not going to pretend that I can take you out, Iron Man. I'm just going to. Now, if yeah. if that guy said, "Oh, I'm just a guy," and actually did murder Iron Man, <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been awesome. That would have been really cool because <laughs> that's unexpected. There was a whole episode of Batman the Animated Series like that about a guy who was like this, just this dweeby guy who got mm-hmm. like kind of roped into doing crimes he didn't really want to but he had to for the money or something like that and uh by sheer accident he killed batman 
<laughs> like, he just, just, just like fell off a roof. That's a good story. Yeah. Died. And this guy, off a roof and or this yeah. guy, everyone knows he did it. So he becomes this like, oh my god, this guy's the, the criminal underworld. Yeah. And like the cops are like, oh my god, there's a new supervillain in town. He killed Batman. This guy's like, oh shit, I am in way over my head. And then the Joker's <laughs> pissed because he's the one who wanted to kill Batman. And it's like, it's great. <laughs> it's a great idea. That's wonderful. But yeah, ninety nine yeah. times out of a hundred. But this is true whether it's uh, a shootout. A sword find, mm. a crazy stunt. The hero's only going to get hurt, or the bad guy's yeah. only going to get hurt if it's convenient for the story that they no. do so. Now, when it's a sword fight or a fist fight, I'm, I'm a little bit more forgiving because yeah. there's there's a, like a balletic element to it. There's mm. a choreography well, that's almost like a dance. The other thing is you can get, especially in like a fist fight or mm. a martial arts fight or whatever like that, you can still get hit. Yeah, you, and you, so you, can, la- you can land a blow and... Yeah only be lightly injured yeah there's there's it's there's some more element of danger because it's really unlikely that like james bond is going to be in the middle of a shootout and he's just randomly going to get shot in the spleen mm. he might get shot in like the shoulder but like the rare the edge of the shoulder right, so it yeah. doesn't even hurt and it like, just feels kind of cool like that's just a thing that happens in I, movies i saw that in movies and in comics a lot where a yeah. bullet would graze someone yeah. like it would, it would get close enough to it's just kind like, of fun scrape against their it's like a mosquito bite. It's just yeah. fun to scratch. Like it's like a, I wouldn't mind getting that kind of a bullet wound. You remember at the end of Last Action Hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger is shot in the real world and he's dying, mm. and they got to get him into the movies because in movies heroes don't die. Right. And then as soon as he's and he's like literally bleeding out and dying in the movie, and then they throw him through the screen, and then a doctor says, "I wouldn't even call this a flesh wound," <laughs> and he's okay, and he's fine. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, so this so is this the, is that universe. My. my but my point being, yeah. the action in this, uh, apart from that uh, opening completely mm. stupid motorcycle stunt, yeah. all of this is boring to look it's at. It's pretty boring. I, I, it's so rote. Uh, Brian yeah. Bosworth is not bringing any kind of interesting action no. to it. Like, no. he's not keep Like, he's a football star. You'd think they'd have him do, like, put a bomb under his arm and run it like a linebacker. <laughs> it's a something. Little, it's a little cheesy even for this, but okay. Yeah. It's fine. But no, nothing like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of shootouts that I just... Don't care. Nobody cares about. They they track down. They go to uh, the federal building, uh, which I isn't the federal building. I know the federal building in Los Angeles. I have no idea what it looks like Miami. I don't know if it's the real one or not. And they talk about we're going to need to break into the federal building in order to find out more about the uh, federal marshal who's supposed to be protecting you. He's mysteriously gone missing. Mm. And Bosworth says, "I'm going to go scope the place out." And this leaves uh, Glenn Plummer. And uh, our our heroine of the week, uh, whose uh, character's name Maggie Dixon, she's played by Holly. I'm going to butcher this. Gagnier, Gagnier. Um, mm-hmm. She's worked in a lot of things. She did a lot of uh, uh, daytime soaps. Um, he's left like with her, and he's talking about like, yeah, this is going to be super cool, and I'm going to like drop in through a skylight and everything, and you're going to be super attracted to me. And she's like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she doesn't go for it. I appreciate no, she doesn't. that. Yeah. Bosworth, meanwhile, while he's talking about all this cool stuff, he's gonna have to scale a wall and everything like that. This is actually kind of cute. He goes up to a security guard and says, "Hey, Mike, you mind if I come in?" And Mike, he's like, "Sure thing, Boz or Lawless," and he just comes in, which is like, "Wow, security sucks at the federal building. That's not good." Uh, but he goes into the guy's office. He finds out the guy went fishing. They go to his fishing lodge. He's been murdered. The bad guys are still there. Mm. There's a shootout with the bad guys. The bad guys die. And then Bosworth and Glenn Plummer are just like, time to go. I'm like, we'll, we'll let the cops clean this up. And I'm like, really? It just feels so irresponsible. Like, 
You're on a beach. What if a bunch of kids find the bodies and are traumatized forever? Like that alone. You think you want to, like, I don't know, leave a note? Find a payphone? Call somebody? I don't know. Anyway. They go track down, like, the crime lord. It's actually the crime lord's brother who's trying to kill the witness so his brother will get out of jail. Bosworth comes in and he's just like, Hi, I'm Lawless and I'm super badass. And the guy's like, Well, I'm also super badass. And Bosworth's just like, Eh. And so the guy's like, Okay, well, I'm going to talk about all these evil things now. And Bosworth's just like, I dropped a listening device in my bottle of water. And I'm just going to leave it here, and that's how you win the frisbee. You didn't know you had a listening device. And I'm like, A, that piece of electronics just got wet. B, even if somehow that doesn't ruin the piece of electronics, wouldn't the audio at least be muffled by the water? Uh, water water conducts sound waves pretty good. How do you think whales talk? Non-distinctly? <laughs> whales talk in tones. They don't use a lot of consonants. But they can hear each other miles away. I realize that. And I, uh, here's the deal. If, oh my god, how great would it be if he's just like, okay, one second, I'm going to listen to these uh, crime bosses. <laughs> Damn it, I knew I shouldn't have put it in the I, I love it. They, they hear it, it's like, they're planning to raid the docks. Like, they understand it. <laughs> of course they do. And that's no. the plan. They're going to uh, they're gonna you, try to kill the, everybody uh, and it's a whole thing. Do you remember the movie... Um, I think it was in the movie Heist, mm. where uh, uh, Gene, Hackman. Gene Hackman was able to sneak a gun uh, past a metal detector by hiding it in his cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Like, he wraps it in plastic and hides it, like this little teeny yeah. one. and he just puts the cup of coffee on, like, a tray. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that, pretty clever. That's, that's really smart. Like, I'm that's surprised really that doesn't happen more often. Well, after, after Heist, they caught, they caught on to it. You can't but do it anymore I, after ice. I've, I've brought hot drinks places, and you, they just pass it around. They don't yeah. scan the drink. Well, here's the thing. If they pick it up, they're going to notice how heavy it is. So there, there's a danger there. Yeah, well, just say it, say it's oatmeal or something. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's, I, like to, Ho- I, like to dump, I like to dump two pounds of oatmeal in my coffee <laughs> every morning. Bring a big vat of oatmeal. Yeah. I, this is my breakfast. Hold on, let me pass it around. Yeah. There's nothing uh, suspicious about a punch bowl full of oatmeal. Uh, the Boz is picked up by federal marshals, and they're just like, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta arrest you, Boz. You're getting in our way." And Boz is just like, "Okay, I'll get in the car with you two strangers." And they're like, "We're super corrupt, and you know that." And Boz is like, "Okay." Yeah. And then Glenn Plummer shows up in his helicopter, and they're like, "Oh shit!" There's Glenn Plummer in a helicopter, and then Bosworth grabs onto the helicopter from their convertible because they have a convertible, mm-hmm. and then he's on the helicopter, and these guys like stop the car, and Glenn. Plummer is like flying him away at like five feet an hour, and then they're like they pull out their guns and like Bosworth is like five it's, feet away, and they're like it's a fine stunt. All it's, right, I'm not saying it's not a cool stunt. What I'm saying is once again absurd that not only do they not hit Bosworth, which I'm kind of okay with because he's the hero, they don't even bother adding like an ADR Foley effect rather. Like the, the pings off of the, the ping, yeah, ping. like they don't even bother with that. Like, at least, can you at least give them the dignity of knowing that they've been to a gun range once? Like, can we at least do that? You get the sense in Star Wars that the stormtroopers know which side the, like, the blasts come out of the blaster. Like, I like to think in Star Wars they didn't, uh, they needed people so badly that they didn't bother giving them any kind of shooting training. Yeah. Uh, the, um... I actually wrote an article recently mm-hmm. for Slash Film, uh, mm-hmm. about... The, the stormtrooper issue that they oh. never hit their targets is it is it about the, that fan theory that like oh Darth Vader wanted everyone to get away constantly no no not nothing nothing I'm so like, no. it's 
No, uh, there there was evidently an episode of one of the animated series where uh, you found out that the people helmets like, have yeah, like shitty the, vision. The, yeah, yeah there's just like all this information inside the helmet, and it like blocks a lot of your vision, yeah. so they can't see anything. And yet, there's also that line in Star Wars: A New Hope, hmm. where Obi Wan says, "Ah, yes, only stormtroopers are this accurate." Because, did, did they, they, because they missed? Or? No, because they hit everything right. Oh. Like <laughs> when we when we first like on like when when like when they kill the Jawas, they kill them off screen and they run into the Jawas, and, oh. and then oh, Obi Wan says something the to the effect, I don't remember that. "Oh yeah, they killed the Jawas because oh. they had the the droids." Mm-hmm. And then the Jawas told them about Okolo and Anamperu, and then he goes to see them, and they're dead, and he mourns them for two seconds, and then he mourns for years over Obi Wan because he's a shitty kid, and then. <laughs> But there's a bit where Obi Wan is looking. That's how you really feel, man. <laughs> he's he's well, Luke has some problems. We people have some real selective memories when it comes to Luke's heroism. But um, when when Obi Wan Kenobi is like looking at all the dead Jawas, he's like he says, "I think the line is actually only stormtroopers are this accurate okay. because they're supposed to be super accurate because they're the bad guys, mm-hmm. and then that is consistently disproven throughout yeah. the movie because no, it's, it's a, not because." of some grand clever scheme I hate to disillusion you it's because it's a movie and if they hit (laughs) just like we talked about if they hit the heroes Hmm. the movie would be over that's why they miss they don't miss because there's some vast conspiracy to make sure they only hit stuff when Darth Vader wants them to and that's why they're the best they're, it's just a movie. We complain about this a lot. You you watch something too many times, everything becomes equally. You're important. not supposed to. If, uh, imagine if you imagine if you watched Lawless one hundred times, you probably notice some flaws too. Anyway, well, can you imagine a world? Oh God, where Lawless took the place of Star Wars. Why and not? those guys in in the convertible had yeah. their own like spinoff movie series, series, prequels. Now. Yeah, yeah, prequel oh, movies. How There's did a- they come to be in that that particular? convertible that day they land glenn Plummer's helicopter in his mom's backyard mm. and by the way his mom's backyard it looks like she's in like a retirement home like uh, a community it, it, it looks, like a bunch of older like people a, with like houses like share backyard it looks like a mcmansion that that's that's a thing anyway everyone's mad because he's landing his helicopter in their backyard which yeah mm. dick move uh, like, like it's exciting if you're a little kid and you see that sure. for the first time, but you don't want to. After a while, you're a just annoyed and like you just you just blew my sandcastle. I I kind of wish that they had the budget or the wherewithal to have something other than just a regular helicopter. Like they had a yeah. special vehicle. Yeah, like it was a, like a little a cool mini vehicle, like a little mini gyrocopter of some kind. Yeah, or the yeah, TV yeah. Series mask. little little yeah. teeny one that can like take yeah. off super fast. You know yeah. that that only Glenn Plummer knows how to fly. Yeah, like like the boat in uh, the One Hundred Lives of Blackjack Savage. Yeah, like cool super boat. It's cool. I have no issues with the cool super boat. It's an absurd idea. Of course it is. But the boat itself is a fine, yeah, fine thing. Make, make super boats, yeah. by all means. Please, put a laser in there. Knock yourself out. Anyway, they go to Glenn Plummer's mom, and they lay low there for a little bit, and Glenn Plummer has a big speech about how, like, I saved his life, and then he saved my life, and we're in each other's debt I mean, the, forever. And that's, and that's uh, you know, the, the Richard Matheson scene. It's, I don't, I'm it's, pretty, we're guessing it's the I'm Richard Matheson I'm guessing it's the Richard Matheson Regardless, it's the one moment Glenn Plummer, Glenn, uh, Plummer gets to act he does what he can. Still, it's, it's not a great speech, no. but you know he plays it you know, as, as well as it can for yeah. how, how badly it's written. And uh, and uh, I forgot what the, her real name is, but um, they, they just call her Maggie Dixon. Maggie Dixon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I keep wanting to call her Dixie Cousins. That's from uh, it's from Briscoe County Junior. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, Maggie Dixon actually responds pretty well and actually says, oh, that explains a lot about him and tell me a little bit more about this detail. Like, they're actually like a in a psych- real way. Acting like a, psych- a psychiatrist yeah. might, interested in the people but around in, them. But in a realistic way. Mostly. Sh- shrinks are written pretty badly in a lot of TV shows. Like, there's a bit in this where she's just like, ah, you're expressing blankety-blankety tendencies, which is yeah. natural for men with blankety problems. And yeah. I'm like, Okay, you read that in a book. Like that's not someone well, who would well, actually. Yeah, screenwriter actually. Like yeah, you looked at it. That's not in, like one page. And just that's not a, that's not the way a psychologist would actually frame that. Mm-hmm. They would they would not like just say say. I'm not going to rub my book yeah. learning in your face. I'm actually going to say it in such a way that it will actually connect with you and mm-hmm. help you, rather than just try to make myself look smart and condescending. Mm-hmm. Which is how that would be. But in that one scene, yeah. I, I feel like yeah, she responds yeah. very, really naturally. And yeah. Glenn Plummer, it's the best scene. In this pilot, what's well, the most serious scene on the pilot? Yeah, I, I well, thought also just, the best scene is the I, scene where we find out his helmet is a bomb. <laughs> I, I guess can, that's pretty great. I, I never would. My, uh, my I, I could for, be writing a. I could be writing TV for a hundred years, and I never would have thought of something that stupid. So <laughs> I got. I got to just stand up and salute. That, that's you know? that's a hundredth monkey sort of thing. Yeah. An infinite monkeys problem. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I feel like Glenn Plummer has like he tells the story well, and I feel like. It's like the most human moment where we yeah. actually get to yeah. know these people as people rather than as these weird sort of archetypes. It's, it's at this point. It's at this point that Lawless starts to feel like a real TV show and not like an episode of the was it the Searcher? Oh, the, <laughs> yes, with uh, Dedrick Bader. Yeah. Yeah, from, he, from Danger Theater. He was, was he the searcher? The searcher. Yeah, yeah it's like, the, the, this is like the one point where it's actually distinguishable from a parody of this kind of show. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to take this seriously. The searcher, by the <coughs> way, Danger Theater was like yeah. 91, was it? Oh, yeah, they, was they were already 90s. making fun of this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. but like that's spe- the searcher was specifically a spoof of Renegade. Yeah. Like very specifically Renegade, but this kind of like lone action hero just mm-hmm. like drifts through life and uh, is a freelance helper of others. That's old. We were already sick of it. At that, the, in that, 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 that's the is... fugitive. That's kung fu. That's that was the Incredible Hulk. Like that, it's it's been done to death. I, I guess kung fu did come back at this time. Yeah, the kung fu legend it, continues. Kung, kung fu legend on about continues this time. was yeah. like also mid nineties. Yeah, uh, but like it, it's interesting though because we talked at the front about how there are certain like genres of TV shows and they're usually based on jobs, hmm. lawyers, doctors, cops. Cop, people, cop adjacent private detectives that kind pe- of thing people with exciting jobs yeah. make for good dramas yes yeah. every week they're going to be doing something dramatic. the wandering adventurer is a job we like invented for television mm. and like I, I guess i guess serialized stuff like you know the like yeah. old gene autry westerns yeah, guy i was, I was gonna say like, in, like yeah that, that, that's an yeah. old western thing i guess it is but like basic but it's not something that actually happens in the present day like mm. they even joke about that in pulp fiction i'm gonna be like kane and kung fu i'm gonna walk the earth and he's like it means you're homeless. That, you're that's just, just all that means. You're just homeless man. Yeah. yeah, it's just your homeless man looking for adventure. That's not really... You're romanticizing something not great. And But TV shows were like still trying to tell us that this is cool. <laughs> like to this day, we're still, this, yeah. is, this, plot, this isn't dead. Like they still do this kind of shit once in a while. Yeah. Um, there's been a very few where it's been some idle rich guy. Mm, yeah. Or, or they have a rich benefactor. That was yeah. a big part of Marker. Yeah. If you remember, where uh, he had a rich benefactor, so he actually had mm. a reason to do all of this. Well, that was Knight Rider. He, you know, that guy was. Oh, there you like, go. Yeah, yeah the, the Knight yeah. Corporation or whatever it was. Uh, I think I think Hardcastle and McCormick was about that. I, oh, I don't know. I thought they were cops, Hardcastle and McCormick. Hardcastle and McCormick. Ride! Ride! Ride like, like the, the demon, demon the dragon! Yeah. Why they changed that theme song? 
Yeah. The stupidest thing. You you changed the best theme song <laughs> in the world. Very few TV shows have ever had a theme song as cool right. than Hardcastle and McCormick. I know there's a few. I'm sure you can think of them. If you've never heard the the, uh, uh, the original theme song, I think it's the original season. Yeah, if it, that the the ah like ride, it's like I ride f- ride like the demon that drives your dream. I want to see that shit. <laughs> weird lyrics. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's like a judge and he's like helping an ex con and race car driver solve crimes. Yeah, so, so like the judge is rich or whatever like that. Yeah, so or, or Charlie's Angels, they had Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if there's some sort of oh, benefactor um, involved, the persuaders. Uh, Oh, there you go, the Persuaders. They were both rich rich adventurers. There they you go. They decided to fuck around. They were idle rich. They decided yeah. to use their wealth to, A, show off their yeah. amazing wardrobes and uh, just, yeah, just help people freelance. Yeah. That makes a little bit more logical sense. The idea of, like, the or the Incredible Hulk, I guess his reason was mm. he was a Hulk. He couldn't hang out anywhere because he'd turn into a monster and mm. scare people off. Uh, okay, okay. So I was, just for the record... Hardcastle and McCormick, the drive was a theme song for season one. Okay. First 12 episodes of season two, there was a new theme song, and people hated it so much that they complained, and they put back they the put song drive. for the okay. second half of season two and all of season three. Okay. Because, so, because the, drive is an amazing wrongs theme song. were righted that day. <laughs> now, that is democracy in action. <laughs> Anyway, back to Bosworth. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, but yeah. actually this goes to Lawless, mm. because I don't know... Like, he's a private detective. Yeah. Which means he's getting paid by his clients. Theoretically. I, I don't... Like, I don't think we ever see him at home. Maybe... We see his fancy office. It's got a lot of, like, expensive stuff in it. Uh, does he live with Glenn, Glenn Plummer's mom? Do they live there? I like to think they live with his mom. Yeah, because we don't see, that, like, that, where they that go That would be fun. If, if they, they just live, live with their mom. <laughs> that would be cute, And she's got actually. a pretty big mansion, so maybe they... Yeah, <laughs> they a mansion. It's a big house. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I, that, that, that would be cute. I would insist on that because we didn't actually establish that. It's mm. like we don't need to like spend the money in the pile and showing yeah, Boz's when... house. Like, no, they live with his mom. It's hilarious. It's, and, and I know this is a cliche, but the idea of the private detective in like a small cluttered office and they have kind of rumbly clothes yeah. and they don't really take good care of themselves because they don't have money. It's not a good paying profession. Yeah, they go into it because they're intrigued. Like they have a certain kind of mind, but it's not conducive to living well. Yeah, uh, we don't get anything with that. We all we know is that he's like a hot shot. He's some sort of yeah. hotshot, and he used to be a military guy. So maybe he's got government housing somewhere. I don't well, know. Well, it's also, it also uh, like uh, uh, um, Glenn Plummer, he's got a job. Like he, you well, know, he, he works, he, he but works, he works for Brian Bosworth. He's he a, works for uh, Brian Bosworth. He also has a helicopter service. Oh, that's right. It's like he so flies like, tourists around or he something. He flies tourists yeah. around. He probably does like some rich people need to get around town kind of shit. He's probably doing okay. He works for Mom, the. Mom runs a successful restaurant. That's true. Yeah. So you're probably helping him out okay. here. Yeah, they're probably doing uh, okay. He, he works for the Lethal Ladies organization from the Andy Sedaris movies. Nice. Now it all comes full fucking circle. If, if this was as trashy as an Andy Sedaris oh, movie, I would have liked it a lot more. It's not quite trashy enough. No, like it's, it's, no. Like, it's, it's got the lasciviousness, but... Just it, a little, though. It's not, that, it's not, it doesn't enjoy it. Well, and it's from the men's perspective. The Lethal yeah. Ladies was all from the women's perspective. You're right. That's a huge, so, yeah. that's a huge difference. Um, anyway, let's, 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 let's wrap go. this up. Let's yeah. wrap this up, because it's pretty straightforward from here on out. Uh, they kidnap everybody. Bosworth and Glenn Plummer show up. There's a big action sequence. Um, then at the end, uh, you know, everything's fine. And then Bosworth is like, all right, I'm going to take my shirt off and get you some babes. And Glenn Palmer is like, yay, babes. And then that's basically the end. No, the, ba- the babes walk over and he, wa- uh, Bos walks off with the babes. And Glenn, yeah, but he and runs Glenn after Plummer, them. And Glenn Plummer does not. He doesn't know. He runs after them. 
Yeah. Like, hey, wait for me! And then it, like, freeze frames. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, he's not gonna get any bits. Oh, Glenn Plummer. With Bosworth. We didn't around. mention Glenn Plummer's character's name at all, by the way. Uh, he's Glenn Plummer. What, what more do you want? I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Uh, was hanging off of helicopters, can't be hit by bullets. John uh, Wallace. Oh, I uh, like that the corrupt uh, federal marshals share a bank account. They have one <laughs> bank right. account between them, which oh, I think I is kind that, of yeah. sweet. And I like to think that they're going to run off together and have a nice life after all the killing. We have to save up for it. We, look, we have to put a down payment on that house in Kansas. I'm going to have a fucking gazebo. I always wanted a gazebo. <laughs> look, I said, look, yeah. we're going to, we're going to. Look, we're still yeah. we're still figuring this out. We're gonna either gonna have a gazebo like he wants, or we're gonna have a nice rock garden like yeah. I want. Yeah, right? No gazebo. I told you it's a rock garden. <laughs> we'll have a rock gazebo. Uh, the lawless. Oh, a- the, hey, the, the cats are causing chaos. Back cats there. are just knocking stuff over. Yeah. I have. Uh, if you ever like uh, uh, enter my apartment, which few do, uh, when the cats are wrestling, you know, like cats, like they just jump around, like hey, mm. we're cats. Uh, I like to have uh, the fight music from Star Trek, the original series, where Kirk fights the Gorn. I have that. I think they have that queued up on my computer, and I turn that on every single time they start wrestling. It is always funny. Try it. Lawless ends with next time on Lawless, and there's a whole a preview for the next episode. There's a preview for the next episode of Lawless, where it turns out there's going to be like a mad bomber in Miami, and like, oh, it's the most impeccably crafted bomb we've ever seen. And oh no, there's a bomb on Glenn Plummer's helicopter, and I like to think that they were going to riff off the movie Speed, like you can't land the helicopter without it like blowing up. That would have been cool. Like the helicopter descend. Who cares? You're telling me Lawless same. is going to have dignity? You're telling me Lawless is going to have dignity? I think it would have more dignity than to very brazenly rip off speed. They would have been a little more sub- subtle. No, I'm it. sorry. I've seen too many Stephen J. Cannell and like <laughs> Glennie Larson shows to think that they're not just going to rip off whatever's popular right. right now. Um, uh, and that's funny because this show was canceled after only one episode. This isn't. They, f- they made five. They made five. Or, or they, excuse me, they made they, six. They made six. The and five just never aired. Never aired. This isn't one of those situations. We've reviewed a lot of failed pilots where they made the pilot, they decided not to make the show, but they released the pilot as like a TV movie just so they can get some advertising dollars out of it and fill like a time slot, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Warner Brothers. Just throwing it out there. You don't have to delete every file you have of Batgirl. You could just show it. But I digress. There's, My point is this: you, it's because they're doing it for tax purposes. They have to prove to the IRS that they'll never do anything with it. Yeah. And in order to do so, they have to destroy the master plans. Did you, did you hear they're having funeral screenings? They're 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 showing it on the lot. They're showing so it like on the, the lot. The people like, who are just interested who work for Warner yeah. Brothers. If anyone not, has not something that's open to the public. If anyone has a plus one. Oh, uh, that would be great. Yeah, Thank we, you. We live here in Los Angeles. Warner Brothers is in Burbank. It's so we, in we driving could, distance. We can make it, yeah. Anyway, uh, but uh, this show did air intendedly. They, they, they greenlit the series. They shot a bunch of episodes of the series. They showed the first episode of the series. And then they were like, no. And then they canceled it after one episode. That is a very rare thing. That happened with Emily's Reasons Why Not. Yeah, Emily's Reasons Why Not. That's one of the few mm. times where they did air one episode and they canceled it out, uh, right? Um, we covered uh, uh, that British one. Uh, it, it's Heil Honey, I'm Home. Yeah, there was a sitcom about Hitler. About Hitler. Uh, wow. Not 
I understand when you watch it, you can see what they're going for. You can see that they're making it's, fun of sitcoms, yeah. much in the same way that like the show "That's My Bush" was making fun of sitcoms. Yeah, like it, it not it was, necessarily about politics, it, it, but it, it's still it was, so well advised. It was yeah, it was, tr- it was sending up sort of a really mm-hmm. chummy sitcom tropes by making the lead character Adolf Hitler. Yeah, and uh, it's like I can get it as a joke concept mm. i do mm. not understand how you thought you had a series they, out of that they filmed eight episodes out how of do it. you have a series <laughs> out of it? that is that and is they, an uh, ill-advised sketch that you only air once that's like a yeah that's like a state sketch or yeah. a kids in the hall thing that's like uh, something where like we're kind of embarrassed about it and we don't know how that got through the censors and we're so sorry they were apologists for the rest of their lives but they, no they tried to make it as a series what were you thinking it's so tasteless yeah, but re- really tasteless. You can understand why people didn't tune in. Yeah. It's, it's actually, we did a whole episode about it's it. It's actually you like, it. yeah, we did a whole episode, and it's actually pretty cleverly done because it knows yeah. a lot about the history of World War II. It's yeah. it's not making light of the Holocaust. Uh, yeah. Hitler is not a sympathetic character. No, but it's uh, it's still just massively ill-advised from top to bottom. Like, it is yeah. tasteless, and, yeah. uh, you know, Depending on where your taste yeah. runs, it's, it's an interesting of, chapter of TV yeah, history. They, That's they, where I'll leave it. They aired one episode and they said, "Nope, nope. <laughs> we're not going to do anymore." Lawless, Lawless was the Hile Honey, I'm Home of 1997, or the Emily's Reasons Why Not hmm. of 1997. And um, well, let's just talk about it. Whitney was hmm. Lawless canceled too soon? Oh Lord, no! Uh, oh. This, this is a boring show. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, just okay. it's. it's like, like I said, this was dated ten years before this was made. Agree. Uh, this kind of lone, cool guy, lone wolf action hero character mm-hmm. is such a cliche yes. that you need to do something with it if you're going to do it at all. Uh, Brian Bosworth not charismatic enough to carry it on his own. He's not uh, terrible. That's not, that's no, not, he's, that's not he's, he's like fine. he's like awful or anything. He, he's he's, just sort of, he's not so awful. Fine. He's just kind of bland, and he's not yeah. a great actor. And you need a lot of things for other things around him to be going on that are interesting. I feel like Glenn Plummer brings what he's asked to, mm-hmm. but he's not asked to do a lot. He's not carrying the series either. Uh, the story is mm. pretty off the rack detective story. I don't have any issues with the story. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing about this premise that sets it apart from anything else, like uh, you know, dozens of other shows of its type. Uh, yeah. This is not something that deserves to live over other things. Uh, and Brian Bosworth is just bad enough, and the script is just boring enough that it starts emerging on the other end being completely nondescript. Yeah. There's nothing to really recommend this show. I wish... it's hmm. And if, if something this bland, without all that much promise, kind of tanks after the first episode, you know, there's... I understand why. Oh, yeah. I, I, understand, I, I understand why you took it off the air. I'm not going to pretend yeah. otherwise. There, I will say this. There's not, not any... This is not a kind of show where I can see coming back to this exact same premise in a hundred episodes and seeing them just doing the same kind of crap. Yeah. I will say this. Uh, if this show had kept the manic, like sugar addled, hmm. like immature energy of that opening sequence with the chicken and the flares and the yeah. helmet bomb and everything like that. If the whole thing had been not like that, that, le- that crazy, not that level yeah. all the time. Cause I just get exhausting. But if it had kept that level of stupid, I would be all for this. I would be totally fine with it. I'd be having a good time. It's a kind of it's it's an enjoyable kind of stupid. But but you're but right. A, the majority a, a of crazy it is crazy stupid action series would be fine. This is not a crazy. That's stupid my point. Action for a moment, uh-huh. it was that. And you got to remember that after a pilot, you course correct and you realize, okay, well, this worked. This didn't. Maybe future episodes they lean in more on the craziness. That would be cool. However, 
I don't see enough here to really make that worth salvaging. Mm-hmm. I actually had a good time watching this episode. I actually thought that it, it moved pretty quick. Um, stuff doesn't work. Glenn Plummer's character is adrift. They gave him nothing to work with. yet mm-hmm. still expected him to be funny. The basic concept that he's not a ladies' man, you cannot build an episode around that, mm-hmm. let alone a series. Um, but there was enough attempts to sort of play with the convention of the thing or at least have some amusing action sequences that I wasn't bored while I was watching this and I generally had a good time. Uh, but no, I can't imagine this working for a full season, let alone a 100 episodes. So I'm going to say it was not canceled too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make me feel, though, you were talking about like you need like something more than this. Yeah. This is... You need an this, angle. The, the angle here is mm, football star. Yeah. And Miami. That's like kind yeah. of all you got. The, the, a, set, the setting and the star. There's a show. There's a, a rule for canceled too soon. It has. It had to last only one season or less. Maximum mm. of one season. Yeah. If you got picked up for season two, you had your shot. No one can play. No one can say you didn't. Yeah, they, you, they had you, enough confidence you in you to pick you up yeah. again. Uh, yeah, two seasons might be a bummer, but you had your second season. There's one two season show that I regret. That we cannot cover because I've never had an excuse to dig into it. Mm. But it feels like this show, but it's got the gimmick. It's got that one other twist. Mm. Have you ever seen a show called 18 Wheels of Justice? I've heard of it. (laughs) I've heard its legend. 18 Wheels of Justice lasted two seasons, damn it. Mm. And it was about a guy in witness protection who was a secret agent for the Justice Department. And he drives a big rig truck. And that's every episode is big rig truck related crimes. Uh, yeah, so the, a truck that's unique. That's different, right? A that's, truck a, that's a twist. Angle, yeah. Also, the cast includes Billy D. Williams, awesome, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> Not as himself. No, like an actual, like like as an actor. <laughs> G. Gordon Liddy. Look him up. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> We're done here. That is the end of Cancel Too Soon this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for uh, enjoying. I- I'm sure you learned a lot more about the TV series Lawless than you ever thought you would. God knows I did. Uh, and uh, But we'll be back next time. And we'll be back next time with the long-awaited return of our annual event, Suddenly Last Season. That's right, which is uh, shows that were canceled this year. Or at least this last season. Maybe not literally this year. It might have been someone by 2021. Yeah. But... Basically, shows that were promoted as a big deal, they got their shot, they were canceled after one season or less. Uh, in this case, everything lasted a season, all the shows that we're doing. Um, and uh, we do have a poll that is still going on on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where you can listen to all of our shows ad-free at any tier, but also you get a ton of exclusive shows including our show where we review every single episode of Star Trek. We do commentary tracks. We do hangouts with our patrons. We have a show dedicated to every film ever nominated for Best Picture. Uh, But you can also vote for future episodes, and one of the episodes of Suddenly Last Season is currently up for a vote. So, looking forward to seeing what wins. But, we're going to start with a show that as soon as it was cancelled... Everyone was like, we, we must tag Bibbs and Whitney on these tweets so that <laughs> they, they know. They announce it in Variety. People send it to us on Twitter. It's like, hey, do you see this headline of Variety? Like, this show is canceled. Thank you. We got it. But good to know if we have it. This one definitely wouldn't have slipped under our radar, but maybe they would have. We are going to start with the live action Netflix remake of Cowboy Bebop. Arguably yeah. the greatest anime series ever made. Oh, I... My experience with Cowboy Bebop is very limited. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I saw the movie. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's uh, but, not even the best. But not none of the TV issues. I wouldn't even put so. that in like the top ten best episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> I've seen, like, yeah, it's, the, it's fine. It's, I saw the Cowboy Bebop uh, okay. an, animated uh, feature film. So you're going to uh, come into this. Are you gonna, you're not going to watch it before, and you're going to watch. No, the, I, I want I want this show to speak for itself. Interesting. Okay, because I I watched Cowboy Bebop when it first premiered in America. Hmm. Uh, I was a big big fan. And I'm very curious how you're going to respond to the live action show because I already saw the live action show mm. when it aired. I, I couldn't help myself; I had to check it out. There's stuff I like, okay. but we're going to talk about what works and what doesn't work about it. And I'm very curious for your take. Mm. So we will be talking about the Netflix live action Cowboy Bebop remake on the next episode of Cancel Too Soon, which should be in about a week. So thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for joining us. Huge thank you to our patrons once again. You can get ad-free episodes on Patreon, and a lot of exclusive stuff. Thank you to everybody who signed up. Uh, if you want soap, <laughs> that's a segue. And who doesn't want soap? You need it. Uh, we have a soap We have a soap subscription service now. Uh, me and my partner, M. Lapis Da Silva, we have moved our Etsy store over to Patreon. It's got its own Patreon, patreon.com slash saltcatsoap. And it is a Soap of the Month club, where for uh, a different tier... Uh, you can get either one soap a month or two soaps a month. We design one new soap every month, and in the two soaps, you get a random soap from our vast library. Uh, and um, it is U.S. Uh, subscriptions only. Sorry about that. Shipping rates make it unreasonable elsewhere. But uh, come on down. We've already got some uh, subscribers. We just opened it up a couple of days ago. Uh, we've made some wonderful soaps for the very first month. We hope to see you there. Thank you to everybody who subscribed already. It uh, means a lot to us, and we hope you enjoy your new soaps. And, uh, oh yeah, and if you want to talk about Lawless for some reason. Did you see Lawless? Did you see Lawless when it was on? Were you one of the eight people who watched this? It was on after Sliders and Millennium. Like, that's a hell of a night of television. Uh, You can check us out uh, and send us an email at letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we discussed today. We might read your email on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney? Hmm. A lot of people didn't have email in 1997, or at the very least weren't comfortable with it yet. Well, actually, a lot of people had email in shut 1997. Shut that was, it was like, shut like, up. like people had AOL. Shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, I still so, I have the same email address now that I did in 1996. I set it up for myself in 96, and I still use it. Amazing. That's a hotmail address. <laughs> I feel like that should be like have monetary value now. <laughs> it's, it's, gr- it's appreciated it's, it's, in value. Yeah, not all hotmail accounts appreciate in value. But most do. Yeah, and then the company that's owned Hotmail is like past hands, but they're yeah. really good about letting me keep the Hotmail. Yeah, if you have a Hotmail account, they're just letting it go. It's like the Space Jam like website. You yeah, gotta keep it, yeah. You gotta keep it alive. They finally changed it. I know, but they you can still access this, the old one. Yeah, they, but yeah. They, they kind of... Mm-hmm. It, it was nice to think that Warner Brothers had just forgotten. I know. That they put up Space Jam and just left it there. I um, know. But in any case, we have a P.O. box people prefer to write by hand or print or whatever. Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. Yes, box? Send, a, send us an actual letter to... Uh, uh, I was going to say something clever. Just send it to P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And... Uh, That's a wrap. We'll see you next Suddenly Last Season.